Hello and welcome to West Seattle Christian Church Online. I am Pastor Worth, and for those of you who are new, I am glad that you found us, and a warm welcome to all of you regulars. We are officially in the season on the church calendar known as Lent, and I thought, what better way to lean into this season that leads up to Easter and the celebration of Jesus' resurrection then starting a new series today called Reset. So today we're going to talk about resetting some things in our life during this season of Lent. And I like this language of resetting because I think most people associate Lent with just giving something up um, in their life, something that maybe be a vice or a bad habit and they want to work on it. And we've talked about this before in our church and said it's not just about giving things up, but it's also about adopting new practices and nurturing those until they become excellent habits. So this idea of reset is refreshing to me because it not only encapsulates both these notions of giving something up and establishing something new and good, but it's something more, which is putting things in their proper place. And we're going to start this series today by talking about resetting our desire to be noticed with a desire for a real and true relationship with God. And for all you visual learners out there, stick around till the end, especially if you're new with us, and I'll drop you uh, a visual resource that I think will help when we focus in on the specific passage that we're looking at today. So we'll talk about that in a minute, but first I want to examine this word reset more carefully. So. The word reset is comprised of two parts. Uh, it's a no-brainer. Re, which means again, and set, which means to put something in a particular place. And the word reset has a lot of connotations. For instance, you can reset all the swimmers at their blocks at the Olympics if there is a false start off of the starting blocks. And let's be honest, we all have a lot of false starts in life. Um, so for this series, I, I typed into Google the search phrase, things that you can reset. And there were, there were things about uh, doing hard resets on your computer or on your mobile phone, doing like a power cycle, um, that kind of thing, turning your phone on and off in order to fix something that's gotten out of whack, some setting that isn't, isn't working right. Uh, but the first two entries that popped up were articles on uh, quote unquote, how to reset your life. And there are a lot of people who desire that, frankly. They look at their life and the things they've done, and maybe this is you, and maybe it's the things that have happened to them uh, or their circumstances, in other words, and they don't like the outcome. The result is not what they want. Basically, there are a lot of things uh, in people's lives where people kind of want a do-over. In, in other words, all of these examples are about change. If you could change something, what would it be? Uh, they want a reset. And of course, we're in the middle right now of twin pandemics still, one dealing with the coronavirus and the other uh, that we've been dealing with rather unsuccessfully for centuries has to do with social justice. And we all want a reset on that. We want to change it. We want a different desired outcome. 
And in our own lives, we want to feel free to have circumstances that maybe are easier or lighter, uh, to be masters of our own destiny when we don't feel like we are. Maybe you feel like you're trapped or you want to accomplish the results that seem to be out of reach. Uh, we want wrong things made right. For many of us, when it comes to the pandemic, it, it feels like we've been it feels like we've been forced to wait beyond the ability we have to wait with all of the social distancing and react, you know, restrictions on, on gathering. We want to reset. We want to start over. We, want it, we want, the, want it the way it was before again, or at least something new, right? And I think this is why even having the opportunity to observe Lent, uh, because the early it's, it's just amazing that we have that opportunity to observe Lent because the early Christians recognized this desire for a do-over, for a restart, for a reset. And it made sense for them to do this before Easter. And I think so for, it's the same thing for us. It's after winter and just into spring to focus uh, our hearts on Jesus who provides uh, the ability for us to do the unfathomable, to have a do-over, to have another chance and another one and another one and another one. It's this, uh, it's this lifetime of resets on our journey towards becoming like Jesus. So that said, now imagine that you're the Jewish people who've been longing for a big reset for centuries, not just years. You're looking for something to be new again and fixed. And along comes this guy named Jesus, and he actually begins to reset everything. He begins to put everything in its proper place. He, in fact, he comes, he comes on the scene of history to do all of the re-words, uh, the again, the, the do-over stuff. That is to say, he comes and he refocuses his people on God. He rebuilds the temple in a new way. He reinvents from the ground up what it meant to be the Messiah, what they thought it would be. He shattered his own people's misconceptions that he would be this conquering uh, war hero. He reconciles, he reconciles those who are at odds with each other, who are, who are fighting each other, who are at war. He represents the very incarnation of God. He, he repurposes things. He teaches what repentance actually means. He repairs the relationship between us and God. He redeems. He takes a remnant and makes it grow. And out of it comes the church. And he rehabilitates the broken and the lonely and the sick and the hurting. He offers redemption. He is the great redeemer. He makes himself the only resource that we need. And to sum it all up, he, he leads a revolution of love and flips the power structures of this world upside down when he gives his life on our behalf. And when we thought nothing else could be possible after that, death bows down to him in the resurrection. Jesus resets life, literally. He resets everything. And he says, this is what is possible now. This is the way I want it to be. New beginnings. So that's the way it will be. So with that background, we begin this series today by taking a look at how Jesus told his followers to hit reset 
on the way they were living. Being like Jesus means we need to embody practices that shape and form us into a new way of living. We're molded and reset into our proper place so that we can do what Jesus did for the reasons that he did those things. Things like what I said before, to sum it up, things like repentance, restoration, proper relationships, repairing what is broken, redeeming what is wrong and making it right, reconciling, refocusing, rehabilitating, reflecting. In short, in short, as we lead up to Easter and Resurrection Day, it's taking the dead things in our lives and giving them to Jesus so that he can resurrect them into new life. Now, now, let's just pause for a minute and catch our breath. I know that was a bit thick to get through, but it's important to lay the groundwork before we get into the specifics each week. And like I said at the beginning, today we're, we're going to talk about resetting our desire to be noticed with a desire for a real and true relationship with God. Now, to do that, there's this interesting passage in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 15, where Jesus is kind of upending what everyone thought they knew about being good and bad and everything in between. And in the middle of this teaching, he starts dropping serious verbal bombs on the religious establishment, the religious leaders. So it's funny, and it's a little sad, what we do with this now, to me. What, what we do is we, we take this passage and we say, it's about somebody other than us. It's about these Pharisee guys. It's about people who are religious and snobby and trying to be a big show. But really, it's definitely for those who call themselves Christians today. You can read the whole thing yourself, but here is just a part of it in the message version of the scripture, which is a translation that Eugene Peterson wrote. Uh, you can go to Bible Gateway and look up this passage and put like the NIV or a different ber- version of the Bible right next to the message. And here's what it says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Be careful. Be especially careful when you're trying to be so good that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you will not be applauding. When you do something for someone else, don't call attention to yourself. You've seen them in action, I'm sure. Play actors, I call them. Treating prayer meeting and street corner alike as a stage. Acting compassionate as long as someone is watching. Playing to the crowds. They get applause, true. But that's all they get. When you help someone out, don't think about how it looks. Just do it quietly and unobtrusively. That's the way your God, who conceived you in love, working behind the scenes, helps you out. All right. Now, typically, we take this verse, and after saying it's not all about us, if we do try to apply it in some way, we think it's only about something that nobody ever does anymore, which is to go out in a public place where everybody can see you and start praying out loud. And on top of that, making a big point of mentioning in your prayer all the awesome things that you've done for others. Nobody does this. Nobody does this anymore. Um, But really, there's an underlying theme theme here that Jesus is getting at, and that is this. And this, this should hit us all right at the core. It's our desire to be noticed. And that's something that we all have. And really, it's like on fire right now in our culture, that desire to be noticed. Now, I'm going to talk about social media for a second. I don't want you to get all upset and start rolling your eyes and go, here we go, here we go again. 
I'm not hating on social media. I just want to talk about it from a certain perspective and, and draw some conclusions, maybe some, uh, some points that might help you in your life. Here's a question. How much time do you spend on social media? And then how much time do you spend in prayer? And that's not to like guilt you. It's just to, sh to ask the question and show you maybe a difference in your life. How much time worrying about what others think about you? And how much time do you worry about what God thinks about you? I think you get the idea. We're just going to leave that there. The, the issue is, is that we want to matter. The problem is that a lot of people these days think that their life only matters if it's getting noticed. So we post stuff online and we go online so that we can find someone out there that will tell us what we're truly, truly searching for deep down, which is someone to tell you, your life is important. It counts. You matter. This has become so prevalent and pervasive that more and more people die while taking selfies than we'd care to think about each year. Did you know uh, that in, in 2016 that the government of India in Mumbai, they created a bunch of no selfie zones in specific places around the city where you can be fined, you can be given a ticket. They created these no selfie zones because there was deadly accident after deadly accident due to people taking selfies in these places. So what is Jesus really saying here? Yeah, he's saying that we should do good things and we should pray, but not in a certain way. And I think he's saying that what matters most in your life is what is done in secret, which means what matters most is what you do when nobody else is looking. That's why he says, do all the good things and, he, and do it without getting noticed or even trying to get noticed by others. That's why he says in verse 4, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. If God, and what he's getting at is that is, if God is what you desire, in fact, if he's, your, if he's your one desire, your main desire, what will matter to you most is that, is that he witnesses you and notices you when you're doing the things that you do. That's what matters most to you. And here's the deal. Your life matters very much. God is always with you and he's present in and aware of every single moment of your life. Um, I encourage you to go read the first, you know, 11 or 12 verses or so of Psalm 139 about this. I promise you that you'll be encouraged about it. Jesus, Jesus's point is this, this, the more that you cultivate and grow a real relationship with God, the less you're going to struggle and strain for the attention and the affirmation of others, whether in real face-to-face -face scenarios or via social media. Let, let me say that again. The more that you cultivate and grow a real relationship with God, the less you are going to struggle and strain for the attention and affirmation of others and vice versa. Now, I mentioned this at the beginning and we're going to just, we're just going to wrap it up here and we're going to have a few more weeks to work on this. But I want to give you this great Venn diagram that illustrates what Jesus is getting at that's applicable in our world today. And I'll leave it with you there. It's up on the screen um, by asking you those two questions. Are you defined by your followers or are you defined by the one you are following? So for West Seattle Christian Church, I'm Pastor Worth. And until next time, 
I want to leave you with this benediction prayer for all of you from Eugene Peterson's translation again in Ephesians 3 in the message. And it's Paul's words to the church there, and it's my words for you now. I ask God, I've asked God to strengthen you by the power of the Spirit. Not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength. That Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask God that with both feet planted firmly on love, that you'll be able to take in with all Christians the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breadth, test its length, plumb its depths, rise to the heights, live full lives that are full in the fullness of God. Grace and peace to you all.